Welcome to Over Innsmouth, an H.P. Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft in almost chronological order. And usually we make an audiobook of our reading, uh, unless it's too racist or boring or both. Uh, today we are on part seven of The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. We are at the penultimate part, and with me today is, is a little ghoul. A little, a little ghoul. Well, oh, cool, baby. Jesse! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's me. It, it's it's me. Uh, I'm I'm a ghoul. I, per- what's it I like? partook of some. What's it like being like a weird dog? Um. Well, it turns out when they say you turn into a ghoul if you dine on human flesh, that also includes your own leg. Oh shit! So. Yeah, that, no. There you go. The fast and easy <laughs> way to become a ghoul. <laughs> just eat. Yeah. Just eat your own auto cannibalize. Do it. Yeah, like I just kind of, I just like you know, took a little slice off and uh, I ate it. You put it in your air fryer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I turned into a ghoul shortly after. It's just a little, a little weird dog thing that likes to uh, sit on uh, tombstones and hang out. Nice. Nice. Also, also, I like to take uh, people's friends and say, hey, he's not here. But it was actually a joke. They just left right after. And I'm just like, <laughs> Dude, come on. Like, what'd you do it? <laughs> like, like a friend was down here. And I was just like, okay, come on. Let, let me, let me, let me. He's like, yeah, this is, this is a real spookum. A real spookum. Your, your friend isn't here. It's <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, yeah, it turns out he ran away and thought his uh, friend died forever. He even like moved and like he went to like he, he was asleep for like a year. I think that was a coma, though. I don't know. Damn. Damn. It's hard when your crush doesn't love you back. <laughs> I know. Sometimes you got to take a nap for a year. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to recap real quick, part six. Uh, last we heard, Randolph Carter had been kidnapped by that spooky merchant and was riding on one of those, uh, horse bird things. Uh, they ended up going to the monastery in Lang, where, who we're pretty sure is Haster, even if they don't straight up call them Haster, the, the, the high priest in yellow. Um, (laughs) Randolph Carter pushed the merchant into a hole. (laughs) Just straight up, like, while he wasn't paying attention, just pushed him into a hole and ran off. He got lost in the monastery. Ended up going out on, like, a really big slide. <laughs> uh, he ended up in the ancient city of the dead or whatever, which is where he told the ghouls to go to. And surprise, surprise, found some of said ghoul- found the three ghouls that had helped him, except they had been <gasps> captured. Oh, no. So, um... Randall Carter ended up going to the, like, underdark kind of place where the ghouls live. Uh, he has a password now so the night gaunts don't tickle him like the fucking perverts they are. <laughs> okay. Can I get, like, a password for no one Ever tickling to tickle you? me ever? Yeah, please. Like, like besides, like, I will stab you? Like, it's... If you touch me? I find it so unpleasant. <laughs> so unpleasant. <laughs> Um, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have like a, I'm gonna have like a knife specifically to stab people who take on me. There you go, perfect. Uh, so he ended up going down into like the underdark. Uh, gave a password to the night gaunts. Told the ghouls like, hey, like three of your 
buddies are captured. They're being tortured by those big frog things from the moon. They all got together and ended up just like fucking just annihilating, vibe checking these those moon frogs into oblivion. Uh, and now they have their cool ship and they're just sailing around in it. Yeah. I like how the yeah, ghouls, just kinda... I like how he's like, yo, uh, you want to sail? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, like I, I would also, I'd also want to bring up, they also just like, they, they just have a ship that has a bunch of rowers on the bottom. Yeah. And none of them thought to look what's going on down there. Now we know that the rowers were probably the big toe things and they're all dead. So. Oh, okay. Uh, so oh. now the ghouls are the rowers. But yeah, I like how Randall Carter was like, hey, you want to like sail the ship for a little bit? And the ghouls were like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know what an ocean is, but let's do it. D- what? What's water? I, what the fuck is a water? <laughs> okay, so what's going what's gonna to happen? What's going to happen when, when we fall into it? We, we, we just like float, right? Right. And nothing bad happens in this water, right? Right. Like. You can breathe water, right? But yeah, so at this point, they're going to that, uh, that, like, spooky rock to, uh, kill the rest of those, those frog people from the moon. Um, and so now they're kind of, like, waiting till the right moment to go up there and take care of it. Oh, that's why they agreed to sail. That's right, because he's like, yo, I know where the rest of those frog things are. Do you want to go kill them? And they were like, hell yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. I love murder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> says the people who ate human flesh yeah they're like yo these toad things taste pretty good let's go kill some more i sure hope no uh i sure hope ib isn't up here i, I sure hope there's no ibs the more i think about it like the that priest in yellow has to be haster like who else would that be who else can pull off yellow let me <laughs> i mean okay who else First can off, pull I do, off yellow? <laughs> i do want to say uh, first off, it's bold to just like use yellow. I, well, it depends on which yellow. Let me tell. Like a dandelion, you know, like a shade of yellow. Yeah, cool. It's highlighter like, yellow. Not, if it's highlighter yellow, like you're just <laughs> really that's definitely Esther. It's got to be some sort of bad god. <laughs> it has to be. Uh, yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, I sure hope uh, a million things don't happen. Oh god, I bet a million things pages. in these ten. Yeah, by the way, reading 10 pages at a time. (laughs) And that's how much is happening in these 10 pages. Okay, let's get this party started. The Train Quest of Unknown Kadath by H.P. Lovecraft, Part 7. The headlands were prolongations of the island proper and came so closely together that only one ship at a time may pass between them. There seemed to be... No watcher on the outside, so the galley was steered boldly through the flume-like strait and into the stagnant, fetid harbor beyond. Here, however, all was bustle and activity, with several ships lying at anchor along a forbidding stone quay, and scores of almost human slaves and moon beasts by the waterfront, handling crates and boxes or driving nameless and fabulous horrors hitched to lumbering lorries. There was a small stone town hewn off the vertical cliff, above the wharves, with the start of a winding road that spiraled out of sight toward higher ledges of the rock. Of what lay inside that prodigious peak of granite, none might say, 
but the thing one saw on the outside were far from encouraging. <laughs> does it? Does it look great, guys? Does it look fun? <laughs> look at all these little dudes. It's pretty cool. I have some bad news, guys. Doesn't look fun up there. Uh, bad news. Now, there's no McDonald's here, guys. <laughs> now I do think, and I think I said we said this before. This would make a really good series. Yeah. Like, like if you're gonna do anything as like if you're gonna do like a Lovecraft thing as like a TV show and not examine racism, but just kind of have it as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Even though there is some, like, I feel like there's some coded racism oh, stuff. Oh, no, with, his uh, description of the, uh, the sp- spooky merchant that he pushed into the hole, I have purposely left out, uh, some racist descriptions of him. <laughs> yeah, there's some, uh, descriptions, but again, you can kind of strip that out a little bit. Also, the slaves that the, the moon beast eats, <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, not much else, surprisingly. I keep expecting it. He did use the uh uh the surfer the Anuk people, but only once. Um, which is still one times too many. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will. I will say, and this is not making okay. This is not me defending anything. It's about as bad as a Nancy Drew book from this <laughs> yeah. time. <laughs> a Hardy Boys novel from this time. Like, like I really, I, I really want to impress how many insanely racist book writers and authors there were. How many at the same time insanely as racist Lovecraft stories we've gone through? Like, not like, like the way I can describe the story is not as racist as it could have been. Exactly. Now that being said, this would uh, the way that this is uh, like set up. Like, it's a bunch of vignettes. Yes. That are loosely tied together. Yes. I think it would make for a good, uh, like, a good show. Oh, definitely. And if you had, like, a decent CGI budget, it can be one of those shows that, you know, it doesn't even have to be, like, the best story-wise. It would just be very visually interesting. And, like, like <clears throat> the way that I think I would put it, it's kind of like um, how Adventure Time does storytelling sometimes. Yes. Like, where it's just a thing that happens. Yes. And it happens in an interesting way. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's just a story. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, it just happens. You see the characters go through it. That's it. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like you can get something like that. Yeah. Like, you just have to get like a, I mean, they have to be, I mean, they have to be attractive, obviously. Obviously. Like, for Randolph, you know, get someone, you get like an attractive, like, skinny person. Yeah. It's like aggressively white, <laughs> so white. Just, I mean, uh, you know what? Upsettingly okay. white. You can make them. You can make them whatever you want. Actually, yeah. Randolph uh, Carter is never described. Randolph Carter. Well, we assume he's probably. Well, we assume he probably looks a lot like H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the only I there's only like no I don't think any protagonist has been described so far. Only side character like uh, Herbert West was described, and yeah, so like you can the, do whatever. But the narrator oh my, of okay. that story was never described. We don't know what he looks like. He's just some dude okay. that was very much in love with his roommate. Okay, g- get this, Dev Partel. <gasps> just say, <laughs> please, can we just have Dev Patel and everything? He can. Okay, he can be an awkward. 
and weird because we know he can do awkward and weird, yes. and he can just like look caught, and we know he can we know he can act. So you know, done, done. Yeah. So who who do we need to pitch this to? A twenty four. Listen, this is a this actually. Sto- this sh- story is in public domain. <laughs> we should pitch it to the person who wants to who uh wants to do two other Lovecraft stories after um. Oh Color yeah. Space. Yes. Because I want to do over oh, uh, Shadow over Innsmouth and that in the Mountains of Madness. Oh fuck, Shadow! Oh Shadow over Innsmouth would be so good by <clears> that person. Okay. I mean, Color of Space was really good. I can only imagine how Shadow over Innsmouth would be. Yeah. Let me reiterate: Color <laughs> Out of Space was an excellent modern retelling. Yes, it was excellent modern retelling. It was so good. It blew. Yeah. It blew my expectations out of the water. I didn't know what I was going to expect. Yeah. Okay. All right. At sight of the oncoming galley, the crowds on the wharves displayed much eagerness. Those with eyes staring intently, and those without eyes wriggling their pink tentacles expectantly. They did not, of course, realize that the black ship changed hands, for ghouls look much like the horned and hooved almost humans, and the night gaunts were all out of sight below. By this time, the leaders had fully formed a plan which was to loose the night gaunts as soon as the wharf was touched, and then to sail directly away, leaving matters wholly to the instincts of those almost mindless creatures. Marooned on the rocks, the horned flyers would first of all seize whatever living things they found there, and afterwise, quite helpless to think except in terms of homing instinct, would forget their fear of water and fly swiftly back to the abyss, bearing their noisome prey to appropriate destinations in the dark, from which not much would emerge alive. Are they gonna do a terrorism? <laughs> Are they gonna do a terrorism? I think so. I mean... I think they're gonna do a terrorism. I mean, they basically said that they just wanted to take this place out. I mean, I understand, but, like, that's a terrorism, that right? That is a terrorism, Jesse. Well, actually, wait. No, 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 wait. Let's, okay. It would be violence for political means yeah this isn't for political yeah, means a- they're just like fuck these guys no no this is just like this is this is just like extreme spite yeah this is uh running off of revenge <clears throat> this is that one yeah, no, dog this is that traveled a hundred kilometers to bite its owner that abandoned it <laughs> God, <damn. laughs> i love that news story it's so good but yeah it's that <sighs> just just purely running off of revenge at this point Okay, this is revenge. It's not a terrorism. Which I respect, fully. I respect that it's not a terrorism. That, okay. I also like that they're like, the night gods will forget that they're afraid of water. Oh, to be <laughs> fair, like, if you get angry enough, you do kind of forget a lot of stuff. It's true. It's true. Also, dumb people are just like, you know, they, they the, the reason why they're dumb is that they have not a lot of fear. Yeah, and they have described these things as wholly running on instinct and, like, nothing else. There is no sentient thought in these things. Head empty, no thoughts. (laughs) Look at those eyes. Not a single thought behind them. (laughs) That's exactly... Except they don't have eyes! God damn it! (laughs) They're specifically (laughs) described as not having any faces. Look at that blank face. Not a single thought (laughs) behind it. Just a TikTok of Randolph Carter filling a night got. That's all it says. 
Oh, God, I want that now. Okay, there's so many Lovecraft-related things that I very much want. That or uh, just filming one of the ghouls. <clears throat> oh. Not a thought behind I those I just eyes. realized something. What? The statement of Randolph Carter. Uh-huh. That would make, like, a really good, like, like vlog thing. Yeah. Make a really good vlog. You know how they did, um, not much to do about nothing. What what, what I'm talking about? Uh, Jane Eyre? No? What's the one that has Darcy in it? Uh, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. They did Pride and Prejudice. Uh, that one, the, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Oh, yeah! I forgot that that yeah, was, uh, could- I forgot that that was Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, I mean, they have, they have Carmilla, the, uh, the series, which is done in vlog format. You can do this as a vlog format with, if you have good enough, uh, CGI with it. Yeah. You can do like a found footage thing. Not found footage. It'd just be a vlog. It'd just be a vlog. Basically. Yeah. It'd just be a vlog, but them just walking around and being like, Hey, look, I met some zoos today and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's kind of saying what's going on and like doing the scary part to get like, kind of like a horror found footage thing. Yeah. Oh my god. And you could the temple would be so fucking scary. Oh okay. Now I man, now I just want more Lovecraft stuff. There has to be a bunch of Lovecraft stuff in the in the making. Cause like CGI is cheap enough now that you can do a lot of the a lot of the scary stuff in the with darkness and whatnot. Yeah. That will age well as well. Yeah. I think color out of space will age well. Yes. Alright. Um the ghoul that was Pikmin now went below and gave the night gaunts their simple instructions. While the ship drew very near to the ominous, malodorous wharves, presently a fresh stir rose along the waterfront, and Carter saw that the motions of the galley had begun to excite suspicion. Evidently, the steersman was not making for the right dock, and probably the watchers had noticed the difference between the hideous ghouls and the almost human slaves whose places they were taking. Some silent alarm must have been given, for almost at once a horde of the mephitic moon beasts began to pour from the little black doorways of the Mundulus houses and down the winding road at right. A rain of curious javelins struck the galley as prow hit the wharf, telling two ghouls slightly wounding each other. But at this point, all the hatches were thrown open to emit a black cloud of whirring night gaunts, which swarmed over the town like a flock of horned and cyclopean bats. The jellyfish moonbeasts had procured a great pull and were trying to push off the invading ship, but when the night gaunts struck them, they thought of such things no more. It was a very terrible spectacle to see those faceless and rubbery ticklers at their pastime, and tremendously- (laughs) (laughs) God, no! Oh, that's oh, such God, an I awful just, description. Just, oh, God. Faceless and rubbery ticklers. <laughs> oh, oh, God, that is that is causing me, like, it's actual... horrid. Tra- horrid. That's causing me this, like, weird trauma. The only way that I will accept rubbery ticklers as, as a description of anything is if you're, like, trying to describe a... Uh, a dildo? And you don't want to say dildo. <clears throat> I know it's their fingies, and they're going to tickle people like the mindless perverts they are. It was a very terrible spectacle to see those faceless and rubbery ticklers at their pastime, and tremendously impressive to watch the dense cloud of them spread through the town and up the winding roadway to the reaches above. 
Sometimes a group of the black flutterers would drop a toad-like prisoner from aloft by mistake, and the manner in which the victims would burst was highly offensive to the sight and smell. When the last of the night gaunts had left the galley, the ghoulish leaders glibbered in order of withdrawal, and the rowers pulled quietly out of the harbor, between the gray headlands, while still the town was a chaos of battle and conquest. I was just thinking, I was like, they're probably gonna drop some of them. Yeah, this would, I would, I would just leave. Yeah, I, yeah, I like their plan. Just get the fuck out of here. Right, we're just, Problem is solved, like- we're leaving. It's like the thing that I would do uh, because when I was a teenager because I was a shitty person. Um, what you do is you, uh, you find a room that has someone in it that you want to bully. Uh-huh. And you have some uh, axe. You, you, tape down, you tape it down uh-huh. where it sprang, throw it in, and then just block the door oh, from them God. being able to get out. Yep. Yeah, you know, because I was a shitty teenager. Nope. I remember that happening several times when I was in middle school to somebody. It's so, it's so bad. I fucking hate. Yeah, yeah, and like, you just leave. You leave afterwards, and, you know, if you're good enough, they don't see you. They just know something happened, and then a noise happened, and then they just smell. I was once, like, awful. I was once forced to wear Axe deodorant, um, and it was that, it was their chocolate deodorant. Yeah. It was super gross, but I had no other deodorant to wear, and I had to walk somewhere in summertime. And I was like, I will not be smelly. I refuse to smell like B.O. Uh, and, but I was very disappointed that there were no women tackling me when I walked out of the house, like the commercial uh, implied. Yeah. And false advertising. Yeah, you should have been, you should have been drowning in poo. Ah, oh, fuck. Drowning pussy for the last snow. Yeah. No, just they lied to me. Just like, <laughs> drown it, drown it in all those women's juices. Just actually, in the chocolate commercial, he gets like fucking devoured. Yeah, oh, that would that was a good one because the person who's wearing it dies. Yeah, actually, um. yeah, I would have preferred that. Just get devoured by a bunch of beautiful women in the middle of the street. <laughs> I will pay you to eat me right now, and not in the sexy like, way. Like, it does not have to be sexual, to just please take it in. Have you ever wanted to eat human flesh? <laughs> well, here I am. Here I have, Here's a hundred bucks. I have, a good, have a, I have some good news for you. <laughs> Ugh. The Pikmin ghoul allowed several hours for the night gaunts to make up their rudimentary minds and overcome their fear of flying over the sea and kept the galley standing about a mile off the jagged rock, while he waited and dressed the wounds of the injured men. Night fell, and the gray twilight gave place to the sickly phosphorescence of low clouds, and all the while the leaders watched the high peaks of that accursed rock for signs of the night gaunt's flight. Toward morning, a black speck was seen hovering timidly over the topmost pinnacle, and shortly afterward, the speck became a swarm. Just before the daybreak, the swarm seemed to scatter, and within a quarter of an hour it had vanished wholly in the distance, toward the northeast. Once or twice, something seemed to fall from the thinning swarm into the sea, and Carter did not worry, since he knew from observation that the toad-like moon beast cannot swim. At length, when the ghouls were satisfied that all the night gaunts had left for the Sarcomond and the Great Abyss and their doomed burdens, the galley put back into the harbor betwixt the gray headlands, and all the hideous company landed and roamed curiously over the denuded rock 
with its towers and eyries and fortresses chiseled from solid stone. Frightful were the secrets uncovered in those evil and windowless crypts. For the remnants of unfinished pastimes were many, and in various stages of a departure from their primal state. Carter put out of the way certain things which were of fashion alive, and fled precipitately from a few other things, which he could not be positive. The stench-filled houses were furnished mostly with grotesque stools and benches carven from moon trees, and were painted inside with nameless and frantic designs. Countless weapons, implements, and ornaments lay about, including some large idols of solid ruby depicting singular beings not found on earth. These latter did not, despite their material invite, either appropriation or long inspection, and Carter took the trouble to hammer five of them into very small pieces, the scattered spears and javelins he collected, and with Pickman's approval distributed among the ghouls. Such devices were new to the dog-like loopers, but their relative simplicity made them easy the master after a few concise hints. I like how he's like, I think even the ghouls can use the sharp stick. To be fair, it's, it's one of the easiest things to use. You have the sharp thing, and then you poke it at something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you gotta do. I bet the ghouls are fucking loving this. They're like, a sharp stick? Why didn't I think of that? Also, I bet that, you know... I, th I, he's becoming a warlord. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's been involved in two wars so far. Yeah, and now now he has a bunch of soldiers, the zoogs and the cats, and now the ghouls and the night gods and the uh, <laughs> the moon uh, beast thingies. Yeah. Damn, the upper parts of the rock held more temples than private homes, and in numerous hewn chambers were found terrible carven altars and doubtfully stained fonts and shrines for the worship of things more monstrous than the mild gods atop Kadath. From the rear of one great temple stretched a low black passage, which Carter followed far into the rock with a torch, till he came to a lightless domed hall of vast proportions, whose vaultings were covered with demonic carvings, and in those center yawned a foul and bottomless well, like that in the hideous monastery of Lang where broods alone the high priest, not to be described. On the distant shadowy side beyond the noisome well, he thought he discerned a small door of strangely wrought bronze, but for some reason felt an unaccountable dread of opening it, or even approaching it, and hastened back through the cavern to his unlovely allies as they shambled about with an ease and abandon he could scarcely feel. The ghouls had observed the unfinished pastimes of the moon beasts and had profited in their fashion. They also found a hogshead of potent moon wine and were rolling it down to the wharves for removal and later use in diplomatic dealings. Though the rescue trio, remembering its effects on them in Dilathlene, had warned their company to taste none of it. Of rubies from lunar mines, there was a great stone, both rough and polished, in one of the vaults near the water, but when the ghouls found they were not good enough to eat, they lost all interest in them. Carter did not try to carry any away, since he knew too much about those which had mined them. I like how they tried to eat the rocks, <laughs> and then were like, "Fucking lame! I'm leaving I'm, it here." I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real honest. Sometimes when I look at like like real shiny like crystals. I'm just like, what if, what if they're rock candy? What if I put it in my mouth? <laughs> I know, right? 
Yeah, it's just there are. It's, it's not most of the time. There is like that uh, rose quartz like bench <clears throat> and table or benches and tables, and it looks like just meat. Just looks like meat. Yeah, just hanging out. So I yeah I get it. Suddenly there came an excited meeping from the sentries on the wharves, and all the loathsome foragers turned from their tasks to stare seaward and cluster round a waterfront. Betwixt the grey headlands, a fresh black galley was rapidly advancing, and it could be but a moment before the almost humans on deck would perceive the invasion of the town and give the alarm to the monstrous things below. Fortunately, the ghouls still bore the spears and javelins which Carter had distributed amongst them, and at his command, sustained by the being that was Pikmin, they now formed a line of battle and prepared to prevent the landing of the ship. Presently, a burst of excitement on the galley told of the crew's discovery of the changed state of things, and the instant stoppage of the vessel proved that the superior numbers of the ghouls had been noted and taken into account. After a moment of hesitation, the newcomer silently turned and passed out between the headlands again. But not for an instant did the ghouls imagine that the conflict was averted. Either the dark ship would seek reinforcements, or the crew would try and land elsewhere on the island. Hence, a party of scouts was at once sent up toward the pinnacle to see what the enemy's course would be. They show up, they're just like, fuck this. <laughs> just turn around and leave. It's like, oh... <laughs> I don't know. There's a bunch of dog people with 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 pointy sticks. I'm not gonna. A, I'm not gonna. Yeah, there's like a weird looking dog, and it has a it has a stick, like a a yeah. really sharp one. We should probably leave. <laughs> there's a lot of them, and a lot of them they're starting to smack their lips a little bit. One of them is like it has a blowtorch. <laughs> Do we have any blowtorches on this side? We we did it. Where the fuck did it get a blowtorch, you guys? <laughs> one of one of them is just pointing at me and to itself, and then rubbing its tummy <laughs> like it's full. <laughs> um, like at just specifically at me, like just me. Nobody else in the sh- He's just like he's not gonna. He's not blinking either. <laughs> He waved me down, looked me straight into my eye, looked straight into my eyes. <laughs> Walk into your kitchen at 3 a.m. There's just a ghoul with a sharp stick there. What you do? I tell you what I do. New friend. <clears throat> yeah, new friend. New friend. Obviously. New friend. In a few minutes, a ghoul returned breathless to say that the moon beasts and almost humans were landing on the outside of the more easterly of the rugged gray headlands and ascending by hidden paths, the ledges which a goat could scarcely tread in safety. Almost immediately afterward, the galley was sighted again through the flume-like strait, but only for a second. And then a few moments later, a second messenger panted down from aloft to say that another party was landing on the other headland, both being much more numerous than the size the galley would seem to allow for. The ship itself, moving slowly with only one sparsely manned tier of oars, soon hove in sight betwixt the cliffs, and lay into the fetid harbor as if to watch the coming fray and stand for any possible use. By this time, Carter and Pickman had divided the ghouls into three parties, one to meet each of the two invading columns and one to remain in the town. The first two at once scrambled at the rocks in their respective directions. 
while the third was subdivided into a land party and sea party. The sea party commanded by Carter boarded the anchored galley and rowed out to meet the undermanned galley of newcomers, whereat the latter retreated through the strait into the open sea. Carter did not at once pursue it, for he knew he might be needed more acutely near the town. Meanwhile, the frightful detachments of the moon beasts and almost humans had lumbered up to the top of the headlands and were shockingly silhouetted on either side against the gray twilight sky. The thin, hellish flutes of the invaders had now begun to whine, and the general effect of those hybrid, half-amorphous processions was nauseating as the actual order given off by the toad-like lunar blasphemies. When the two parties of the ghouls swarmed into sight and joined the silhouetted panorama, javelins began to fly from both sides. And the swelling meeps of the ghouls and the bestial howls of the almost humans gradually joined the hellish whine of the flutes to form a frantic and indescribable chaos of demon cacophony. Now and then, bodies fell from the narrow ridges of the headlands into the sea outside or the harbor inside, in the latter case being sucked quickly under by certain submarine lurkers whose presence was indicated only by prodigious bubbles. They got an eight. They get an eight. So they just got an at so bad, like just getting delicious. The guy that the guy that was pointing. At the person and rubbing their belly, <laughs> finally told the other person what what they were talking about. I'm gonna eat you, <laughs> like all of me. Yeah, I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> yeah, it's gibber, it gibber to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat I'm you. I'm gonna eat you. And 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 it's just like, uh, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like eat me? Like like how? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat you. I'm just imagining like <laughs> a, this weird fucking dog thing, just its whole ass mouth on their head. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> see the thing is at this moment because of who I am, I'm imagining all the ghouls not as something scary, but as something like incredibly cute. I know, yeah. Like I imagine this cute, like weird hairless dog thing, just its whole ass mouth now, on this this fucking goat person's head. Also, maybe, um, may- maybe I'm thinking, girl. From Invader Zim, oh, like all of that'd them, that'd be so cute. <laughs> they can't, they're like, they're gibbering. It's just like, the, you know, are they coo? They meep, <laughs> and they meep, they meep, and no, they gibber. This, this is Gur. Oh my god, yeah, this is this is just Gur from oh Invader Zim. Oh my god, you're and imagine, right, yeah. And I'm imagining all of them are in like a real cute, like they just they just they're just big and lanky and cute. yeah, I love <laughs> ghouls so much. <laughs> those, those cute little cannibals. I, it sounds like they only eat, like, well, I mean, like, all human flesh that you would eat would technically be dead. But, like, corpses. They seem to eat corpses exclusively. Well, yeah, they eat exclusively corpses, but it's still cannibalism. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And also, also, eventually, if you're eating someone, if you're doing it, well, well, if you're not doing it carefully, you're going to be eating a corpse. Yeah. Now, if you're doing it real carefully, you're you're just Hannibal Lecter, and you know how to cut someone to cut someone's leg off and feed them their thigh. Oh, <laughs> An actual thing that happened in the uh, the Hannibal series. God, also, what a good fucking TV series. I'm gonna. I see. I keep on wanting. See, I have to be in the mood to watch it because I want to watch yeah. it. I want to get to the murder boyfriends. Yes. Part. Uh, and also, I really like the last part too. 
I just want to watch it again, but like I haven't been in the mind space for no, it. Yeah. I think I'm thinking I'm getting close to it. Yeah. It's not like you have to pay attention to it. It's not like a yeah. an easy watch. Yeah. It is entertaining though. <sighs> For half an hour, this dual battle raged in the sky till upon the west cliff, the invaders were completely annihilated. On the east cliff, however, where the leader of the Moonbeast party appeared to be present, the ghouls had not fared well and were slowly retreating to the slopes of the pinnacle proper. Pikmin had quickly ordered reinforcements for this front from the party in the town, and these had helped greatly in the earlier stages of the combat. Then, when the western battle was over, the victorious survivors hastened across to the aid of their hard-pressed fellows, turning the tide and forcing the invaders back along the narrow ridge of the headland. The almost humans were by this time all slain, but the last of the toad-like horrors fought desperately with the great spears clutched in their powerful and disgusting paws. The time for javelins was now clearly past and the fight had became hand-to-hand contest of what few spearmen could meet upon that narrow ridge. As fury and recklessness increased, the number falling into the sea became very great. Those striking the harbor met nameless extinction from the unseen bubblers. But of those striking the open sea, some were able to swim to the foot of the cliffs and land on tidal rocks, while the hovering galley of enemy rescued several moon beasts. The cliffs were unscalable, except where the monsters had debarked, and so that none of the ghouls on the rocks could rejoin their battle line. Some were killed by javelins from the hostile galley from the moon beasts above, but a few survived to be rescued. When the security of the land party seemed assured, Carter's galley sailed forth between the headlands and drove the hostile ship far out into the sea pausing to rescue such ghouls as were on the rocks or still swimming in the ocean. Several moon beasts washed on the rocks or reefs were speedily put out of the way. I, I just want to say, who would have thought that Pikmin would have been uh, a major character? Who would have thought it? Uh, certainly not me. I'm not going to lie. I would never have suspected him to show up in this. Like, like, when it happened at first, um, yeah, when it happened at first, I'm just like, oh, this is a cute callback. Yeah, nah, like, it's nah, cool he's that he's full on. Yeah, no, he's like a full on secondary character in this. Yeah, I think he would have thought that weird, freaky dude. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, I like Pikmin's model a lot. Oh, it's a pretty gosh, good story. Yeah. But, like, I just would have never thought we would have gotten Pikmin in another Lovecraft story, maybe in like a extended mythos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. He didn't seem like I don't want to say like un well, yeah, unimportant. He seemed like a one shot. Like he was gonna be in Pikmin's model. That was it. Done. He seemed like a Herbert West. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, he has his own story named after him. Why would he show up anywhere else? Yeah. But alas, how here we are. He's a he's a weird little dog thing. No like, just uh... good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. I'm proud of him. He's li- he's yeah, living the I, dream. Yeah, first off first off, living the dream. Second off, um what what word am I trying to say? Uh you know, just apparently a competent general. Yeah. Surprise yeah. Who would have thought? I wonder if ghouls can read. Hmm. hmm. Maybe that's what makes you a ghoul leader, is that you could you're not illiterate. Which makes sense you know, that Pikmin would be in charge. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm this is 
like a minor thing of a book that I'm reading. Uh-huh. But like there's this um but it's called Starless and the first part's like set in like this desert. I don't want to say monastery, but it's basically where people go to burn off their sins and they learn how to like fight and whatnot to be like a reserve army. Oh. Um pretty much. And one of the things that they did was they're just like, hey, I just realized, like, half you people don't know how to read. Why don't we just, like, offer, like, reading classes as well? And after that happened, like, the, the amount of people that they got, like, kind of exploded. Like, they still had to survive, like, a, like, trial by combat oh, yeah. thing at the beginning. Yeah. But, like, they could be literate, they can get fed, they can learn how to fight, and they would be honorable, and they would not have any of their past sins or crimes. And... It's interesting oh, how I'm reading is uh, literacy is super important. Yeah, and and uh, there's a lot of illiterate people still. By the way, oh yeah, yeah. It's just easier for them to hide it now yep. with how technology is. Yep. So you know, be nice to people. Don't make don't you know? Be nice to people. Sometimes they don't have good education. Yeah, or they have some kind of learning disability. Yeah. Which is which is okay, you know. My sister, for example, cannot spell at all. <laughs> Extremely yeah, I... smart, can read any book really fast. Cannot spell at all. Yeah, but, but uh, spell check exists. Yeah. So whatever, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. We don't. We don't it need d- that anymore. It doesn't matter. Also, finally, the moon be scally being safely in the distance in the invading land army concentrated in one place. Carter landed a considerable force on the eastern headland in the enemy's rear, after which the fight was short-lived indeed. Attacked from both sides, the noisome flounderers were rapidly cut to pieces or pushed into the sea, till by evening the ghoulish chiefs agreed that the island was again clear of them. The hostile galley, meanwhile, had disappeared, and it was decided that the evil jagged rock had better be evacuated before any overwhelming horde of lunar horrors might be assembled and brought against the victors. So by night, Pikmin and Carter assembled all the ghouls and counted them with care, finding that over a fourth had been lost in the day's battles. The wounded were placed on bunks in the galleys, for Pikmin always discouraged the old ghoulish custom of killing and eating one's own wounded. And the able-bodied troops were assigned to the oars, or to such other places as they might most usefully fill. So, so, um, so the thing about the word horror is it has the word horror at the beginning of it, <laughs> and I was just like, the lunar horrors, I'm just like, ooh, what's going on with that? Showing a little leg. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out, it turns out it's just, it's, it's just a, a woman that, like, exists in a place that, uh, incels. Oh. Uh, sometimes go. <laughs> no. and it's just like a normal woman. It's just a normal ass person. Yeah. <laughs> Under the low phosphorescent clouds of the night, the galley sailed, and Carter was not sorry to be departing from that island of unwholesome secrets. Whose lightless domed hall, with its bottomless well and repellent bronze door, lingered restlessly in his fancy. Dawn found the ship in sight of Sarcommon's ruined quays of basalt where a few night-gaunt sentries still waited, squatting like black-horned gargoyles on the broken columns and crumbling sphinxes of that fearful city which lived and died before the years of man. The ghouls made camp amongst the fallen stones of Sarcommon, 
dispatching a messenger for enough night gaunts to serve them as steeds. Pikmin and the other chiefs were effusive in their gratitude for the aid Carter had lent them, and Carter now began to feel that his plans were indeed maturing well, and that he would be able to command the help of these fearsome allies, not only in quitting this part of Dreamland, but in pursuing his ultimate quest for the gods atop unknown Kadath and the marvelous Sunset City they so strangely withheld from his slumbers. Accordingly, he spoke of these things with the ghoulish leaders, telling them that he knew of the cold waste wherein Kadath stands, and of the monstrous Shantoks and the mountains carven into double-headed images which guard it. He spoke of the fear of Shantoks for night gaunts, and of how the vast hippophallic birds fly screaming from the black burrows high up on the gaunt gray peaks that divide Inganok from hateful Lang. He spoke, too, of the things he had learnt concerning night gaunts from the frescoes in the windowless monasteries of the high priests not to be described. Now even the great ones fear them, and in their ruler is not the crawling Nialathotep at all, but the hoary and immemorial Nodens, lord of the great abyss. So, what if... Okay, so I, I think I know what his, uh, what his whole plan is going to be. Okay, you get a bunch of ghouls, you send them up front, and all of the tap can only vibe check so many of them. Oh no! A couple of them are gonna get through. So like if he like you know you just like sneak past them, you know. Yeah. Or he's gonna yeah. take the night gaunts. Just a lot of night gaunts. Maybe Neurolithotep doesn't like night gaunts either. Like Neurolithotep draws a line, and it's at tickling. <laughs> Neurolithotep may be a, basically a bunch of tentacles and no face, but also like. You don't. You don't like tickling. Don't tickle people. Fucking do not. <laughs> like Neolithotep may be the crawling chaos and may have driven many a man mad uh, with Barry his presence. But uh, fuck, do tickling. What the fuck, <laughs> you perverts? Just <laughs> 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 Neolithotep's like, what? Are you, what are you perverts? <laughs> The Nikon's being like, whatever noise. It's that, but muffled, which somehow is worse. Because they don't have mouths. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Neurotep is also like, oh, fuck this. I'm leaving. All these things Carter glibbered to the assembled ghouls and presently outlined the requests which he had in mind, and which he did not think extravagant, considering the services he had so lately rendered to the rubbery, dog-like lopers. He wished very much, he said, for the services of enough night gaunts to bear him safely through the air, past the realm of Shantoks and Carven Mountains, and up into the cold waste beyond the returning tracks of any other mortal. He desired to fly to the Onyx Castle atop Unknown Kadath, in the cold waste to plead with the Great Ones for the Sunset City they denied him, and felt sure that the Night Gaunts could take him thither without trouble, high above the perils of the plain and over the hideous double heads of those carven sentinel mountains that squat eternally in the gray dusk. For the horned and faceless creatures, there could be no danger from aught of the earth, since the Great Ones themselves dread them, and even were unexpected things to come from the other gods, who were prone to oversee the affairs of Earth's milder gods. The Night Gaunts need not fear, for the Outer Hells 
indifferent to such silent and slippery flyers as own not Nyarlathotep for their master, but bow only to potent and archaic nodens. What are those motives? The nodens? Uh, uh, they're like some like ancient underground god, is I think how he described them at first. Okay. I like so, I like how they're just like, yeah, Nyarlathotep, you're not my boss, fuck you. <laughs> I'll tickle you. Do I get off to it? No. <laughs> Why are you asking that? <laughs> Please stop asking that. <laughs> Please. You ask everybody that. <laughs> they always say no. Well, okay. So I know I keep I know I've said this before, but there's a um but the second season of Miracle Workers, which by the way has a third season on, and if you want to see uh David Radcliffe do a burlesque show. Oh, I've seen it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah. Uh, you can watch. But the second season, it's set in medieval times, and they do the joke that the last name, like you do whatever your last name is. So the main character is the last name is Shit Shoveler, and there's like you know Baker and Cooper and you know Cobbler and stuff like that. Yeah. But one of the, one of the person's name is Todd Pervert. Oh yeah. And everyone That's always right. asks what their name is, and the thing that I love about it be like. Uh, is it'd be like, what do you do? It's just like, shut up. Uh, and <laughs> then at one point, they were going to, um, they're gonna like behead the main character's uh, dad, and they stop because you know, power friendship and blah blah blah, yeah. and you know, moving speech. Yeah. And Todd Perver would be like, hey, if you're not gonna kill him, at least like make him do something, like, like show us a, his feet or like jerk off or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and like any time, every t- any time, like he gets in like an area, I'll be like, yeah, I just got done with my shift baking today. Which did you get uh, get done doing? Uh, 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 Todd pervert. Don't just don't talk about it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the night gaunt's job. They're the perverts of Dreamland. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Might as well be them. <laughs> That's why nobody wants anything to do with them. They're like, fuck, we're not going near the night gaunts. Okay, listen, they are weird. They they do not follow any god, but some weird ground god. And they tickle people. What the fuck? Did you did you hear they just they get, they just like flew up to all other type and started tickling and whenever he asked them to stop, be like, no. You're not my boss. And he's like, oh fuck. God damn it. <laughs> They're not wrong. You're not my supervisor. <laughs> a flock of 10 or 15 night gaunts, Carter Glibberge, would surely be enough to keep any combination of Shantox at a distance, though perhaps it might be well to have some ghouls in the party to manage the creatures, their ways being better known to their ghoulish allies than to men. The party could land him at some convenient point, within whatever walls that fabulous Onyx Citadel might have. Waiting in the shadows for his return, or his signal, whilst he ventured inside the castle to give prayer to the gods of Earth. If any ghouls chose to escort him to the throne room of the Great Ones, he would be thankful, for their presence would add weight to the importance of his plea. He would not, however, insist upon this, but merely wish transportation to and from the castle atop unknown Kadath. The final journey being either to the marvelous Sunset City itself, in case the gods proved favorable, or back to the earthward gate of deeper slumber in the enchanted wood in case his prayers were fruitless. 
Whilst Carter was speaking, all the ghouls listened with great attention, and as the moments advanced, the sky became black with clouds of those night gaunts for which messengers had been sent. The winged horrors settled in a semicircle around the ghoulish army, waiting respectfully as the dog-like chieftains considered the wish of the earthly traveler. The ghoul that was Pikmin blibbered gravely with his fellows, and in the end, Carter was offered far more than he had most expected. As he aided the ghouls in their conquest of the moon beasts, so would they aid him in his daring voyage to realms whence none had ever returned, lending him not merely a few of their allied night gaunts, but their entire army as they encamped veteran fighting ghouls and newly assembled night gaunts alike, save only a small garrison for the captured black galley in which spoils had come from the jagged rock at the sea. They would set out through the air whenever he might wish, and once arrived on Kadath, a suitable train of ghouls would attend him, in state as he placed his petition before Earth's gods in their onyx castle. Moved by a gratitude and satisfaction beyond words, Carter made plans with the ghoulish leaders for his audacious voyage. The army would fly high, they decided, over hideous Lang, with its nameless monasteries and wicked stone villagers stopping only at the grave peaks to confer with the Shantok frightening night gaunts, whose burrows honeycomb their summits. They would then, according to what advice they might receive from those denizens, choose their final course, approaching unknown Kadath, either through the desert of Carven Mountains, north of Inganok, or through the more northerly reaches of repulsive Lang itself. Dog-like and soulless as they are, the ghouls and night gaunts had no dread of what those untrodden deserts might reveal. Nor did they feel any deterring awe at the thought of Kadath, towering lone with its onyx castle of mystery. They're like, it's just a fucking castle, who gives a shit? Yeah. Whatever, also, I have a like, house too, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Also, he's doing what he's doing what I said earlier, he's just gonna send a bunch of people up there and try to slip through. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. No, that's the, that. That's the that. That's the only well, thing that makes sense. Well, he's bringing ghouls because, yeah, like he. Well, he's bringing the night gods because the Shantaks, the fucking bird horse birds, ugh, will not bother them. And he's bringing the ghouls because apparently the gods will be like, "Oh, this dude's got some fucking ghouls. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I wish I had some ghouls. We're not allowed to have them though." <laughs> Neolithotep said no. <laughs> he said no more ghouls. They shit all over the place. <laughs> and then I clean it up because you guys won't take care of them. <laughs> I like the idea of Naralithotep just being like a like a parent. They're like, no, you can't have another pet because you don't take care of your pets. I take care of your pets. <laughs> they're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I just want a goldfish. <laughs> and the one time the one time he the one time uh Naralithotep gives it and be like Fuck, now I have to take care of this puppy. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's weird and rubbery. Where did you guys find this dog? They're like, I don't know. It was, it was in a cave, sitting on a tombstone, eating human flesh. It's like, why did you think this was a dog? It's not. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is a human. This is basically a human. What are you doing? Just, this is a whole ass man, and he is naked. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, guys? 
It's like that vine where he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't mind babysitting your dogs. They were like, and the other person's like, great, awesome. Yeah, let me go get him. <laughs> like this man comes out of the closet who's like cocaine smeared on his face. And he's like, bark, bark, bitch. <laughs> and the dog sitter like, is like, that is, a, that is an entire man. <laughs> Now I like the idea that 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 one of the one of the uh one of the gods picked up a ghoul and be like, yeah, this is it. I mean, I know it looks like a baby, but it can't speak any words. Look, look, it just coos and gibbers at me. It meeps and it gibbers. Isn't that great? I love it. I love my ugly dog. (laughs) It just has no hair. That's it. Sometimes you can't grow hair. That's okay. Kids in a fucking knit coat, so it's not cold. <laughs> it's a little sweater. They are in the cold waist. <laughs> uh, just, oh my god! A little sweater. This is like <laughs> that has the the god's face on it, and the god has a sweater with the ghoul's face on it. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. About midday, the ghouls and night gaunts prepared for flight. Each ghoul selecting a suitable pair of horned steeds to bear him. Carter was placed well up toward the head of the column beside Pikmin, and in front of the hole, a double line of riderless night gaunts as provided as a vanguard. At a brisk meep from Pikmin, the whole shocking army rose in a nightmare cloud above the broken columns and crumbling sphinxes of primordial sarcomen. Higher and higher, till even the greatest basalt cliff behind the town was cleared, and the cold, sterile tableland of Lang's outskirts laid open to sight. Still higher flew the black coast, till even this tableland grew small beneath them. And as they worked northward over the windswept plateau of horror, Carter saw again, with a shudder, the circle of crude monoliths, and that squat, windowless building which which he knew held that frightful silken mass blasphemy from whose clutches he had so narrowly escaped. This time, no descent was made as the armory swept bat-like over the sterile landscape, passing the feeble fires of the unwholesome stone villages at great altitude and pausing not at all to mark the morbid twistings of the hooved, horned, almost humans that dance and pipe eternally therein. Once they saw Shantok bird flying low over the plain, but when it saw them, it screamed noxiously and flapped off to the north in grotesque panic. It's like fuck this. That is the. Those are the things that tickle you. I'm leaving. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I'd rather you take me into the back alley and shoot me in the goddamn head. No, not today. I'm leaving. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, everybody's just fucking overnight gaunts. At dusk, they reached the. About midday, the ghouls and night gaunts prepared for flight, each ghoul selecting a suitable pair of horned steeds to bear him. Carter was placed well up toward the head of the column beside Pikmin, and in front of the hole, a double line of riderless night gaunts as provided as a vanguard. At a brisk meep from Pikmin, the whole shocking army rose in a nightmare cloud above the broken columns and crumbling sphinxes of primordial sarcomen. Higher and higher, till even the greatest basalt cliff behind the town was cleared, and the cold, sterile tableland of Lang's outskirts laid open to sight. Still higher flew the black coast, till even this tableland grew small beneath them. 
and as they worked northward over the windswept plateau of horror, Carter saw again, with a shudder, the circle of crude monoliths, and that squat, windowless building, which, which he knew held that frightful, silken mass blasphemy, from whose clutches he had so narrowly escaped. This time, no descent was made, as the armory swept bat-like over the sterile landscape, passing the feeble fires of the unwholesome stone villages at great altitude, and pausing not at all to mark the morbid twistings of the hooved, horned, almost humans that dance and pipe eternally therein. Once they saw Shantok Bird flying low over the plain, but when it saw them, it screamed noxiously and flapped off to the north in grotesque panic. If you know what I mean. I, I wanna... <laughs> no, I wanna, I wanna get a title that I'm always <laughs> referred to before they say my name. Look, like, yeah. you know, like, the crawling chaos Nolothotep. You know, it sounds cool. Like, I, you know, I just need, filled, you know, I need one of those. That makes you feel important. Yeah, that sounds about right. Constantly. Antidepressants and taco meat. Crawling Chaos is a pretty rad fucking title, though. Yeah. Like, like the thing I like about it so much is because, like, it, it's this, it implies, like, this slow but impending doom. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not like the, uh, the sprinting chaos. <laughs> like, he's not coming at you fast. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's just gonna be it is, it's just gonna be it's gonna get it's there slow eventually. And inevitable. And it, it's, and there's nothing that's gonna stop it. Which is kinda yeah. terrifying, yeah. And you know, it's it's kinda like it's kinda like dying. Uh, in our Kingmaker game, uh my character does have a Capybara who is named Prince Wibbles the Soft. Prince well, Wibbles the um, Soft. Whenever I was playing a Kingmaker game, we didn't get too far into it. But I had a gnome that's whole thing was I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself into a I'm gonna get a oh, robot hell body. Yeah. That was this whole thing. <laughs> and and uh the thing is though, like they were lawful evil and they needed they needed subjects to like practice. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Their magic on. Uh and you know, that was fun. It was fun playing like a you know, litigiously evil person. <sighs> that is fun. Oh, yeah. Um Oh gosh, we're close. We're close, Jesse. We've got three more pages. There they squatted in a hellish half-circle, their legs on the desert sand and their miters piercing the luminous clouds, sinister, wolf-like, and double-headed, with faces of fury and right hands raised, duly and malignly, watching the rim of man's world and guarding with horror of the reaches of cold northern world that is not man's. From their hideous laps rose evil shantoks of elephantine bulk, but these all fled with insane titters as the vanguard of night gaunts was sighted in the misty sky. Northward above those gargoyle mountains, the army flew, and over leagues of dim desert where never a landmark rose. Less and less luminous grew the clouds, till at length Carter could only see blackness around him. But never did the winged steeds falter. Bred as they were in earth's blackest crypts, and seeing, not with any eyes, but with the whole dank surface of their slippery forms. On and on they flew past the winds of dubious scent and sounds of dubious import, ever in thickest darkness and covering such prodigious places that Carter wondered whether or not they could still be within earth's dreamland. Then suddenly the clouds thinned and the stars shone spectrally above. All below was still black, 
but those pallid beacons in the sky seemed alive with a meaning and directiveness that they had never possessed elsewhere. It is not that the figures of the constellations were different, but that the same familiar shapes now revealed a significance they had formerly failed to make plain. Everything focused toward the north. Every curve and asterism of the glittering sky became part of a vast design, whose function was to hurry first the eye and then the whole observer to some secret, terrible goal of convergence, beyond the frozen waste that stretched endlessly ahead. Carter looked toward the east, where the great ridge of barrier peaks had towered along the length of Inganok, and saw against the stars a jagged silhouette which told of its continued presence. It was more broken now, with yawning clefts and fantastically erratic pinnacles, and Carter studied closely the suggestive turns and inclinations of the grotesque outline, which seemed to share with the stars some subtle northward urge. They were flying past at a tremendous speed, so that the watcher had to strain hard to catch details, when all at once he beheld just above the line of the topmost peaks a dark and moving object against the stars, whose course exactly paralleled that of his own bizarre party. The ghouls had likewise glimpsed it, for he heard their low glibbering all about him, and for a moment fancied the object was a gigantic shantok, of a size vastly greater than that of the average specimen. Soon, however, he saw that his theory would not hold, for the shape of the thing above the mountains was not that of any hippophilic bird. Its outline against the stars, necessarily vague as it was, resembled, resembled rather some huge mitered head or pair of heads, infinitely magnified, and its rapid bobbing flight through the sky seemed its most particular a wingless one but soon perceived that it had parts below the parts he had first seen, since it blotted out all the stars in places where the ridge had deeply cleft. Then came a wide gap in the range, where the hideous reaches of transmontane lang were joined to the cold waste on this side, by a low pass through which the stars shone wanely. Carter watched this gap with intense care, knowing that he might be outlined against the sky above it in the lower parts, and the vast thing that flew undulantly above the pinnacles. The object now floated ahead a trifle, and every eye of the party was fixed on the rift where it would presently appear in full-length silhouette. Gradually, the huge thing above the peaks neared the gap, slightly slackening its speed as if conscious of having outdistanced the ghoulish army. For another minute, suspense was keen, and then a brief instant a full silhouette in Revelation came bringing to the lips of the ghouls an odd and half-choked meep of cosmic fear, and to the soul of the traveler chill that was never fully left it. For the mammoth-bobbing shape that overtopped the ridge was only a head, a mitered double head, and below it in terrible vastness loped the frightful swollen body that bore it, the mountain-high monstrosity that walked in stealth and silence, the hyena-like distortion of a giant arthropoid shape that trotted blackly against the sky, its repulsive pair of cone-capped heads reaching halfway to the zenith. Carter did not lose consciousness or even scream aloud, for he was an old dreamer, but he looked behind him in horror and shuddered when he saw that there were other monstrous heads silhouetted above the level of the peaks, bobbing along stealthily after the first one. 
and straight in the rear were three of the mighty mountain shapes seen against the southern stars, tiptoeing, wolf-like, and lumbering, their tall miters nodding thousands of feet in the air. The carven mountains then had not stayed squatting in the rigid semicircle north of Inganok. With right hands uplifted, they had duties to perform, and were not remiss, but it was horrible that they never spoke, and never even made a sound in walking. Oh, fuck. Man, we're, we're getting some, mm, We're getting into stuff. that tasty, tasty cosmic horror. Ooh. Delicious. Yeah. I think the two cone-headed one is not off the top. Uh, oh, that's very possible. I thought yeah. it would be. I thought it would just straight it, up be Neural Neuralithotip. It'd be all of them. It's, it's Neuralithotip uh, in the get along shirt with Hester. <laughs> <laughs> we got into a fight earlier, and now they have to wear the get along shirt. <laughs> like God, how much longer do we have to do this? It's like fifteen more minutes. God, I can't believe this. It was my turn on the Xbox. Uh, okay. Yeah, it looks like we, we have an explosive ending. Yeah, if you want to end there. Well, I guess there's only one paragraph on the last page. So we could stop here if you want to. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. There's some giant heads. Yeah, again, yeah. a lot happened. Yeah, it went from, hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a guy walking around to... Um, I have now started two wars. <laughs> I am now going to assault... <laughs> I know Kadoth. I'm now going to bother the gods until they give me what I want. Yeah. So. <sighs> Damn. Yep. <sighs> All right. I hope there's more cosmic horror. But yeah, we'll be on to our last part next. Yeah, and uh, then afterwards we will uh, we'll we'll read some more uh, Dunsany because I am oddly as much as I don't think it's good. I'm charmed by it. <laughs> it's fun. The man it's horse fun. is very fun. Okay? Yeah. I'm a man horse. <laughs> very good. Oh, I just realized something real quick. I just realized. So, you know, uh, the, the, the one that we read, the one where the guy was trying to get to the city in the sky, but then when he got to that, he realized it was another city. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we read, we read one recently. That did that. No, it's the white chip. Yeah, it's the white chip. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I was just. I was just uh, wondering. Like, I was just like, why is that? What is that? Why? Why? Yeah. But yep. uh. But yeah. It's. It's. Yeah. We definitely should find a couple more and read it. Maybe the one about the monk. Oh, there you go. There's the one about a monk or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll find out. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll have some fun with it because uh, it'll be a good way to break up between this and uh, the case of uh, Charles Dexter Ward or yeah. Dexter Charles Ward. <laughs> That's what you get for having two first names. Yeah. Well, at least he doesn't have a third last name because that means he's not a serial killer. Yeah. At least, as like, far Ward, as I know, well, Ward could be a first name, but it's usually a surname. Yeah. All right, well, this was fun. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, you know, not really. Yeah, I'm me just gonna, I'm so I'll, uh, tired. I'll, I'll, I'll plug getting, uh, giving a bunch of dumb people, uh, things to poke the thing up at people and, you know, sending them into. Actually, I'm not plugging that because that's basically what we do with Marines. But. Oh, no, Jesse. Except that it's guns. It's guns. But, you know. 
Yeah, but you know, uh, I'm I'm pro uh, giving I'm pro uh, naked animals a bunch of um, you know, just just sweaters. a pointy stick. No, 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 sweaters. A sweater, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that idea. All right, well, this has been over in Smith, and remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable, and the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Okay, bye! Bye! Just leave me staggering. Follow me.